Hello, everybody. It is great to be here one more time today. And my name is Gary Fowler, and I am the CEO, President, and Founder of GSD Get You Done Venture Studios, premier AI and quantum venture studio located in the heart of Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, California. I'm a serial entrepreneur with 17 startups under the valve and several unicorns. I was on the original management team at Click Software, which was sold to Salesforce for $1.35 billion. I'm also the co-founder of Eva.ai, an AI HR tech company that I co-founded with Dr. David Yang. We believe that intellectual capacity is evenly spread around the world, but opportunities are not. So today I have an incredible guest. Sarah Han is a manager at Kotra. She is a uh, former Korean-American uh, radio journalist. She worked for Sugar and & Company and PR and, and uh, content. She graduated from Yonsei University with her MBA and global MBA and Hancock University of Foreign Studies and is a doctoral candidate. So with that, we're going to talk about a little bit about the Korean experience and going global. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? Hi, how are you, Gary? Good. Good to see you today. So tell us a little bit about so your journey. How in the world you so you're at Hancock for your, your doctoral candidate, you went to uh, Yonsei, but how did you get to Silicon Valley? Well, uh, when I arrived here, I actually didn't know this was Silicon Valley. <laughs> I just married my husband, who was Korean-American, who happened to live in San Jose. And uh, when I was first arrived here, I was a little bit disappointed because uh, in Seoul, there are tall, high-rising buildings, great skyscrapers, but San Jose is all one-story buildings except for the downtown areas. But uh, one time I passed a huge building and it said Apple. And another time oh. I passed a building and it says Google. And uh -huh. I was kind of thinking, wait a minute, where am I? And then I got to find out here I am in Silicon Valley. So I was so excited to get to know that. So, you know, what are the cultural differences coming over? So growing up in Korea, right? And mm -hmm. what are the cultural differences coming over to the U.S.? What were some of the things that you said, boy, this is a whole lot different besides the kimchi is not as good? I think there might be some generation differences within Korean people. Yeah. But uh, if I really generalize, forgive me if I'm wrong. <laughs> well, American culture is more like individualistic. So mm -hmm. um, you say what you want to say. But the Korean culture is more like a Confucianistic mm -hmm. element is mixed in there. So there is an invisible norm that you have to fit into in order to be included and the group or the society. So um, it can be described as a collectivistic culture, but individualism is a playing in, in, in with the element of collectivism. So uh, we have a, something called like a nunchi. So if you are a new employee in a, uh, a company, you're not, you know, express yourself. You actually see, watch, what is a hidden norm in the organization? And then you try to fit in there. So that is- Really? So you don't say anything? You keep your mouth shut? And you well, the thing is, even though there are things or expressions that you 
want to express. But the thing is, uh, you don't know the whole uh, corporate culture there, right? What uh, the values that people in the office have. So uh, before you understand that, it is not uh, right or it is not smart to move in and express yourself. So maybe that is only me, but <laughs> uh, that is how I was uh, cultured in South Korea. Interesting. And so mm -hmm. how long have you been here? Uh, I've been here for like seven years. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So how what's the weather compared to Korea? What's the weather? Is there a different oh, the weather here? You know, the reason why the properties are so expensive here is because you have a climate tax. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So winter is incredibly warm here. Uh, mm -hmm. We have very um, cold winter in Korea, and then summer is very, very humid. But you know, uh, if you look at the beauty of it, you can enjoy the seasonal sports. Yeah, so, no, I agree with you. How do you, you know, so what do you do? Like, what's having fun? So when you grow up. You know, um, what do people do for fun? Like, do they go skiing or do they travel or what do they do? What are some of the things that would be uh, like a normal weekend? What would you do on a normal weekend? Well, again, that is also a general question. <laughs> so if I do not represent the whole Korean population, but uh, I will express my own understanding about it. Well, a People tend to love sports a lot these days, and Korean people love soccer. You know, the World Cup is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really? This Thursday uh, at uh, Korean Palace, the restaurant, we're getting together at 5 o'clock in the morning to cheer for it. So wow, we love soccer. Yeah, we, we love watching sports. And then also I'm doing uh, sports ourselves, like golf is really popular and uh, ski is really popular. So uh, just like America, people love sports. And also we have this a night culture. So there are beautiful cafes and uh, you know places to visit uh, in a safe way during the night. So, um, Well, that's know, interesting because you don't see that in San Jose. There's nobody I know walks around there at nighttime. When I'm, a, you know, I've done that a few times and it's kind of, not a lot of people walking around. That's now, right. I don't know many cafes, actually. You know, yeah, I do so, lots of, but not in San Jose. Yeah, relatively, Korea is a very safe country. And then you can walk around during the winter. And there are lots of restaurants and cafes open 24 hours. And you can enjoy it, not life. So many people who left Korea, they say, I miss the nightlife in Korea. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So a lot to enjoy. I hear, I hear that a lot from people that you know, from Paris, from London, from all over the world. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah. I was in Barcelona this summer, and I got to tell you, those people, they're out. They don't come out till after the sun goes down. Mm. It's so blasted hot. So I the see. time that they're out, it's like 8 o'clock at night to like 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And it's like families are walking around. It's crazy, actually. Oh, I see. It's interesting <laughs> watching them because you don't see that in San Jose. You don't see families going around at 10, 11 o'clock, walking down the center off heading or someplace like that. They're just not there. It's interesting. So you came over seven years ago. 
How in the world did you get involved in all these uh, Korean startups? Because I know you work for the agency. By the way, I don't know what the agency is, the agency of Silicon Valley. What is that? Oh, well, uh, I uh, introduced the Korean uh, technologies and companies into uh, Silicon Valley. And then uh, how it started is I uh, help, I started to help Korean companies uh, with interpretation and then presentation. And then that's how it all began. And then in one uh, exhibition, I was uh, doing some supporting, interpreting, and making presentations. And I uh, bump into some uh, team leader of Kotra. And then they started to ask me to be involved in the event. And then here I am. I became like a full-time employee at Kotra. <laughs> so, oh, wow. That's a, Yeah, that's, that's how amazing. it all began. Well, tell us a little bit about what Kotra is doing. And, you know, because there's a lot of, um, there's some incredible Korean companies. I know I met some over the last mm -hmm. few weeks, you that's know, right. uh, with you and some of the other folks. But what... You know, they I hadn't seen before 10 years ago, I hadn't seen that many companies coming over, small companies, startups. Mm -hmm. But why are there so many incredible companies from Korea now? Well, um, I'm so proud of these companies. <laughs> They're working really hard. You know, many startup companies around the world, they work really hard. But I think the condition that we're in um is just like Israel, right? So they have a lot of wars and then the startups are developing, that's what I heard, startups are developing some uh, measures to win the battles and you know stuff like that. So because of that situation, the startups are really brilliant and whatnot. Korea, our situation is like, we don't have a lot of natural resources. We cannot but depend on human resources. And then that is a way to survive. And then uh, we should, we could, cannot but be uh, export oriented in many ways. So uh, that is a reason why we have to uh, bring up this as startups. And then the startup entrepreneurs are coming up with great ideas to survive. So, you know, problems always bring the great solutions. And then without problems, well, there's no motivation to come up with solutions. So I no, think that I, I mean, it's amazing to me. So, you know, just to that point. So do people think about it like, uh, you know, the the do they think about the potential of North Korea coming in and, and starting some problems? Is is that what's really driving it? You're saying that's the whole idea is to be able to win. And well, I am. Uh, yeah, the situation itself. Uh, is very tragic and we need uh, unification. But uh, that kind of threat itself, that helps a lot, um, you know, ironically. But uh, what I'm saying that, you know, core message that I want to deliver is the fact that we do not have a lot of resources, but human resources. Yeah, and, no, I, you know, I agree. Technology it is something that we need to uh, lean toward so that we can be a successful export-oriented country? Well, I mean, you're doing an incredible job. There's incredible companies from, mm -hmm. I mean, it's just incredible. You look at the- Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, the, the larger companies, the Samsungs of the world, right? Mm -hmm. The LGs of the world, the really, these incredible companies have made um, an impact on our lives and changed things, right? In mm -hmm. a positive way. 
You know, I remember my dad telling me stories when I was a kid, when he was in Korea, right? He was in the war and he was telling me how desolate things were at the time. But I mean, for a country to do what you've done, it just really proves that capitalism and I'm not trying to be political, but creating an economy that supports the people in the market has a vastly different appeal and a vastly different uh, impact on people's lives. Right? I mean, it's it's amazing that that, you know, on the other side of the border, you've got uh, North Korea and they really like are in the Stone Ages and you guys are like in the leading the technology in the world. Mm-hmm. Right. So there is a stark contrast between these two companies' economy system. And then uh, we are, uh, you know, even though there is a little bit of economic downturn, I think we will eventually uh, thrive, I believe. And then uh, hope that uh, North Korea can enjoy uh, the boon of South Korea's pre- prosperity and then uh, work together. Uh, to uh, raise the level of the lives of people in there. So that is our hope. You know, I got a chance to address the United Nations last year on technology as a tool of peace. Uh um, I don't know why they asked me. I probably have no idea. But they asked me to, to do it. And I talked about, you know, we need to figure out how to work together to solve the problems of the planet, not fight. You know, the end... We need to figure out how to be able to extend our lives, not shorten them. We need to figure out how to increase the food supply, you know, by 2050 with a double the amount of, of food. And we can't increase the number of cattle because 26% of the pollution is from cows, methane gas. So we need to lose, you know, plant-based protein. So there's incredible ways that we can work together. And mm. amazing you're doing what you're doing. I saw the companies that were there that were just um, over the last couple of weeks when I was out in California, it was really an honor to be there. So wow. how has it changed over the last couple of years, Sarah, from your standpoint? I know you've been there since 2019, but from 2019 over the last three years, how have things changed in terms of the number of Korean companies coming over, what, what the acceptance level is in Silicon Valley? I mean, how is it? Well, uh, the thing is, uh, sadly, because of COVID, <laughs> You know, uh, the number of companies who are coming uh, for the last three years has drastically reduced. But now it starts to pick up at this moment. Yes. So uh, but uh, technology wise, you know, uh, Korean people and Korean startups are very quick to adapt in a new environment. And then uh, Korean people made this word called untech untapped economy, right? So it mm-hmm. is the opposite word of contact. So yeah. untapped is the word that was invented by Korean uh, organization. And then they started to be adapted toward this untapped economy, right? So they developed, you know, for example, I think you saw this company called the Megathon, right? So mm-hmm. they developed this a hologram uh, touch screen. So, um, that way, there are new trend of technologies led by this COVID. Well, that was the one that could go in the elevator. He was showing us the elevator thing, how it could go in an elevator. Yeah, and that, yeah no, he was incredible. That's yeah, incredible. that's right. So it can be applied in many ways, but, you know, I think it was the first time in the human history. I think it's safe to say that people started to think about uh very careful about touching the stuff around them, right? So, uh, yeah, so I think we're very quick 
to understand that and then develop technology toward that. So yeah, so Korean people are very fast in that, I think. No, it's fantastic. Did it take you when you came over? Just a question for you. I mean, the food isn't just, I love Korean food, by the way. I studied uh, mm-hmm. martial arts for many years and uh, I had a Korean instructor who didn't speak English at the time or limited English. And he taught me about kimchi, but I had to learn the hard way. He liked it really spicy. But did you find, were there a lot of differences like the food coming over here? Did it take you a while to get used to it or were you, you know, globalized enough that it wasn't a big deal? Did it take you a while to get used to, you know, Americanized food? Well, um, I think um, Seoul, where I lived, mm-hmm. is a pretty much cosmopolitan. So what you have here is there. <laughs> and then uh, I think what we have uh, there in Seoul, uh, they're here, but a little bit fusion way. <laughs> so uh, I miss Korean food a lot. But I think Seoul has nicer restaurants in San Jose. I love San Jose, by the way. But don't you think it's a little bit more cosmopolitan being in Seoul rather than, I, I don't know, San Jose. And I, I have a place there too, right? It's um, like, you know, you got the spaghetti factory and you got a couple of Greek restaurants and that kind of thing. But I bet the level that they have in Seoul, maybe I'm wrong, is a lot. And I haven't been there, but it's probably a lot different, right? It's a lot. When it's French, it's probably incredibly French, right? I think mostly in Korea, the cook, uh, there are exceptional cases, but, you know, cook and then restaurant owners are mostly Korean. And then all the food, uh, foods are kind of Koreanized, you know, serving oh, I got it, I got market, it. right? Uh, I think in here, the beauty of uh, being in San Jose and going to different kinds of restaurants is like, you can taste uh, Vietnamese noodles that was cooked by Vietnamese. Right. (laughs) You can enjoy real Italian pizza, you know, something like that. So uh, a lot of uh, variety of ethnicity, you know, form a community. And there I think it's just like a salad bowl. You know, you can taste this and that. And uh, that is really enjoyable. I really like it. I see. (laughs) Interesting. So what do you think? What's going to happen over that? You know, because I noticed it too, sir, when I was out in California, um, over the last two months, I've been out to the um, a place out there a lot, that the number of startups has dramatically picked up that are coming out there. Would you see that like over the last two or three months? Have you seen an, a big uptick in the number of startups or is it just my imagination? Uh, I think, yes, of course, because the COVID situation is getting better and more and more startups are seeking uh, the greatest ecosystem, which is a Silicon Valley, I think, so far. And then that's why a lot of startups are coming into the Silicon Valley. And the number is increasing. Yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. So what does Silicon Valley offer, right? So from an outsider looking in, I mean, you, you're, you're, you've been here seven years, but what does it offer that you can't find other places? So if you're in Korea, what does it offer to those Korean companies that they can't really find there? What do you, besides the market opportunity, et cetera, but what do you find that's different? Hmm. Um, I think the Silicon Valley culture and Silicon Valley spirit is something uh, that we need to learn. 
And also the ecosystem is kind of different. Yeah, we I think Silicon Valley accelerators are reaching their arms into Korea now. And then now it is connected globally. So uh, accelerator like MindBridge, you know, PNB, they already have existence and the presence in South Korea. So uh, it's kind of getting mingling and then Korean cities, they want to uh, build up huge infrastructures where they can nurture the startups and whatnot. And there's a huge investment there. But uh, this ecosystem it is something that is unique about this uh, Silicon Valley. So lots of VCs and uh, entrepreneur spirits, you know, that has a history mm -hmm. here, right? And then uh, I think uh, it's a second to none. So there are lots of other areas that they claim that they have a great uh, ecosystem, like Silicon Alley and Silicon uh, Valley somewhere. Is it Chilicon Alley? Valley? Yeah, the alley. <laughs> they have different kinds of names, right? There's Silicon Beach, there's Silicon Alley, the, you know, but yeah. in reality, there's still only one Silicon Valley because Stanford University, the really heartbeat of it, Sandhill Road, where you have some of the top investors in the road, and they've been doing it since the 50s. It came out of the defense industry, right? So a lot of the semiconductors, et cetera. So it was set up because of that. You know, most people don't realize today, that, too, that there's $290 billion worth of dry powder. And a lot of that dry powder is located in Silicon Valley. And that was from a event that I went to at uh, Salesforce Tower, Korean event last week. You know, $290 billion with a dry powder, that's a lot. That is, that is right. right. So uh, in terms of a money, you know, that can be invested, and then in terms of the history, so this ecosystem was not built overnight, even though you have all these, you know, structures and then try to make something work just like Silicon Valley. You know, there's nothing like Silicon Valley, I think. Well, and the weather, you're right about it because yeah, the, the one thing they forget sometimes is that how many places in the world can you go to the beach and the same day you can go skiing in the mountains? Uh-huh, right. Right. I love that. <laughs> yeah, and that's amazing. I, I love the beach, you know. So uh, I sometimes drive down to the Highway 1. Oh, then, no, oh my beautiful. God. That is a breathtaking scenery that you cannot see anywhere. So I really love being in Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other thing is you're not too far away. I remember going down to uh, San Diego and going out to the desert and going out mm -hmm. to the beautiful desert poem. Palm Desert and um, Palm Springs and going around there. And it's just, in, where else? I mean, there aren't many states in the, on the, there aren't many countries on the planet where you can have so many of the same things in one place. Incredible. So um, what are the kind of companies that you're seeing right now? What are the, like, if you look at the three areas, what do they focus on those Korean startups? What are the three areas? AI, I mean, um, manufacturing, what are the areas that they're focusing on? Uh, I think uh, we do a little bit of everything. You know, there was a uh, there was like an on tech trend, but you know now we're back to normal, and then uh, we're focusing on uh, AI uh, metaverse to some degree, and then uh, many technologies. But that is not my uh, specialty. I'm sorry, Gary, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I have not reviewed all this data to uh, say that Korea is focusing on something and something. But, you know, what I can say is I can introduce these companies 
that I'm supporting in Silicon Valley. And I can proudly uh, introduce these companies and their needs now. Uh, Gary, you can see, right? And yeah. Then, <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, do you think it is a um, good thing for the blind to go to the museum? For blind to go to the museum? Mm -hmm. Well, is it good for them to go? Sure, it's another experience, of course, and they can listen. But, you know, I actually heard a sad response about it. You know, somebody around me said that, you know, they cannot see. Why would they go to the museum? What would they expect to experience? And of course, uh, in New York City, uh, you have Metropolitan uh, City Museum, right? Yeah. And then uh, there are sculptures from Rome era. Those are all fake and you can touch them, right? So yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, that's it. Well, and, uh, hey, Sarah, listen to this. So I hear your logic, the museum thing. If you're blind, you go to the museum. But mm -hmm. the other thing is some people can't swim, but they still take a bath. I know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'd like to introduce this beautiful, warm-hearted company called Dot Inc. And this Dot Inc. Mm -hmm. is helping the blind experience the museum. They developed the pad, uh, consists of 280 dots, actuators, and mm -hmm. that it can actually beautifully show the graphics. So, so far, the blind could read the Braille's, the text. It was a word of text only. But now they can feel the graphics with this touchpad. Yeah. And they can go to the museum and then the museum, whatever is displayed in there can be expressed on this display. And then they can actually feel it. And then, oh, okay, it's shaped like this. Oh, this is a mountain. Something like that. So that's now really cool. that's really neat. Yeah. Now uh accessibility rights. Mm -hmm. You know, the possibility is even greater with the advent of this technology. So I'm so proud of this uh, company dot inc. So mm -hmm. how they're devoted with uh socially excluded, you know, people's convenience and whatnot. So yeah, so this is one company that I'm uh, supporting and their dream is uh, going directly to NASDAQ. <laughs> there you go, there you go. And you know, there is a huge market potential, I think. And then if you focus only 10% of the blind globally, that will be the 10 billion market, $10 billion market, that is really huge. And then, uh, they got a $30 million contract from uh, the United States, you know, Ministry of Education, United wow. States. That, well, congratulations to Dot Inc. That sounds like a wonderful story, sir. Yeah. So within four years, this contract will be carried out. So uh, for the blind people to get educated in a particular STEM field, so uh, I think this uh, pad can help greatly. And that uh, those of you who have a museum, you know, you can actually uh, have improved, uh, improved accessibility rights for uh, the, the blind and for all, they have the kiosk also where they can um, have this dot, you know, the tactile uh, pad technology uh, along with this uh, sign language and then the, 
level adjustment and whatnot. So that's I love the idea. Listen, yeah, I'm hearted. <laughs> I'm yeah. We're coming I up to the top of the show, mm-hmm. so we're coming up to the last couple of minutes. Oh, I see. So in summary, um, can if you can summarize and and then also, how do people get a hold of you? Because I'm sure some of the audience are going to want to reach out because we're all. Oh, really? Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, my email address. Are you ready to write down? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> W-O-W-S-A-R-A-H. Wow, Sarah. And my last name, H-A-N, at Kotra, K-O-T-R-A, Silicon Valley, S-V dot org. It's kind of long, but, you know, wow, Sarah, Han, there are two H's at kotrasv.org so email me and then i have other companies oh my god i think i should have focused more on the companies that i support i have this sound wave technology uh, company and then some other good companies that i'd like to introduce to you but uh hopefully i can have another chance with you yeah yeah yeah. no we'll have it again so sarah thanks for taking time your busy busy schedule to join us today and to thanks to all my audience for tuning in one more time to GSD Presents Silicon Valley AI and Tech. And I'm your host, Gary Fowler. Stay tuned Thank you, Gary. for another exciting edition this week. By the way, we will have Daniel Kotke, who's one of the original team members of Apple and Steve Jobs' roommate. Wow. Involved in the early days of Apple. We're going to be talking about Apple and innovation. Apple and Steve Jobs. We're going to talk about, you know, how do you foster innovation in a company like Apple. And we'll talk about Dan's role as one of Steve Stubbs' friends. So stay tuned. That'll be happening Friday. To all of you out there that are in North America, in the U.S., happy Thanksgiving and spend a lot of time with your family and friends. Enjoy yourselves and don't eat too much turkey. So thanks a lot. Thanks, Sarah. And Thank you. Take care of yourself. GSD Venture Studios. Thank you. Good Bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.